Guys, as a kid, I spent a lot of time hanging around the church building. And as a pastor of 35 years, I've certainly spent a lot of time around church buildings hanging out. But nothing like this guy in France. Here's an old church building. And if you look real tight here, up at the spire, you see this guy hanging out at the church building. What's the story here? Well, actually, that's... That's not a real person. That's an effigy uh, of, an old of, a, of, a, of an old church in France of a soldier from way back in World War II days. And it's unusual for us to have two consecutive kind of military moments in a row. We had Memorial Day weekend last weekend. And this weekend is, is an anniversary of sorts because Sunday, June 6th, is D-Day. D-Day was that massive allied invasion of France, which was... Uh, put in place to overthrow the German army. And it was at that particular church uh, that you can see here in the town of St. Mary-Glace, France, where one U.S. soldier defied all the odds. 77 years ago, on June 6, 1944, the U.S. 82nd Airborne Paratrooper Private John Steele, native of a little city of Metropolis, Illinois, parachuted from his airplane on D-Day. D-Day was this invasion by the Allied forces in World War II. The goal of D-Day was to gain a beachhead in Normandy, France, force back the German army, and then liberate France, and eventually all of Europe, and eventually to win the war. But Private John Steele was part of a very unfortunate group of paratroopers who were dropped by mistake directly into the village of Saint Marie Iglesias. One, even more unfortunately, John Steele's parachute snagged on the spire of the church tower, as you can see. And they have a memorial of him and hangs there every single day. And he was dangerously dangling there for the enemy to see. The church bells began ringing to sound the alarm because of fires that had broken out. And the Germans were picking off American paratroopers like him with ease. He seemed like a goner for sure. But John Steele cleverly, caught there on the church spire, played dead, hanging limply for two long hours. Finally, the Germans figured it out and took him prisoner. Again, it looked like the end of the road for John Steele. But somehow, defying all the odds, Private Steele escaped from his captors just four hours later. And he rejoined his division, who then attacked the village, captured 30 German soldiers, killed another 11 combatants, and amazingly, the town of St. Mary-Glais became the first place in all of Normandy to be freed from German control. It's a moment that that town, that village, still celebrates with the effigy, the likeness of paratrooper John Steele still there to this day. He returned many times to that city. He was awarded the Bronze Star for valor, the Purple Heart for being wounded in combat. His incredible story of survival and victory and defying the odds has been retold in the epic war movie, The Longest Day. John Steele defied all the odds June 6, 1944. We find ourselves again on that very weekend, June 6th, 
And I want to talk to you today about defying the odds. Uh, We were in a very different situation, but we all have circumstances in life that we find very challenging and difficult. And we're like, we're not going to make it, or this is going to be overwhelming or too hard. I can't overcome. And we look at our, even our culture and our society, and, and some of us say, you know, yeah, what is the world coming to? And I want to tell you a message of hope today. And I hope that you will hear this message and Come away with this, at least one takeaway that will help you defy whatever odds you are facing. It may be that you are are struggling to thrive in a time of community or national or even just personal chaos and difficulty. Maybe you're struggling, you're trying to defy the odds of raising a family in a culture that seems like it's gone bonkers in all kinds of directions. Maybe you're looking to defy the odds by growing spiritually when temptations and opposition come your way. Or maybe you're seeking to make an impact on your community, on your neighbors, and defy the odds when it seems like they're not really interested. Or maybe they're even vigorously opposed to Christianity. My hope and prayer is that you will discover at least one way that you can defy the odds Uh, like Private John Steele did, and come out on the other side. And to learn how this can happen from the Word of God, we return again to the story of the church at Antioch, and I want you to listen carefully to Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30. Take a look. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. Incredible story of that church at Antioch, and just to refresh, Uh, One author writes, a few persecution escapees stopped when they reached the free Roman city of Antioch on the Orontes River, the third largest city in the Roman Empire with a population of a half a million people. Antioch was one of the most beautiful cities in the empire. It was often called the Antioch the Beautiful or the Queen of the East. Its balmy air was fragrant with the scent of roses from which rare Antiochene perfumes were made. It was a cosmopolitan town. From all over the empire, people moved there to share the prosperity. And among the migrants were many Jewish folks. They were well treated in Antioch. In fact, the synagogue there was considered the second most beautiful synagogue on earth. 
Gentile converts to Judaism and God-fearers were numerous. But Antioch was a pagan city, and it was filled with pagan temples. And at the foot of Mount Solipius, south of the city, was a huge rock formation that looked like a faceless human head. Pagan mythology said this was the head of Sharon, the god in charge of transporting dead souls to the underworld. And nearby was the grove of Daphne, worship center for Apollo, Artemis, Astarte, and many other gods and goddesses. Worship at the grove featured ritual prostitution and many other uh, pagan rituals. The morals of Daphne were a world, was a worldwide expression of sexual immorality. That's what Antioch was known for. And into that kind of place, that really uh, unlikely place for Christianity to take hold, came a bunch of people fleeing persecution, followers of Jesus, and they made an incredible impact. So on the surface, it doesn't look like a place that Christianity is going to thrive and that believers in Jesus are going to make a huge difference. But Jesus Christ defies the odds, and so can you. So that's the way it happened. And I want to look at top, the top 10 things that we can take away from this passage on our final week looking at this passage and how we can defy the odds. Let me give you them no matter what you're facing. First one is this, if you're gonna defy the odds, you wanna believe that your situation is a unique divine appointment. It says here in scripture, now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. It's been just a year or so since Jesus Christ had been crucified and raised from the dead. But the good news up to this point, before this passage, had only reached an area no further than about a hundred mile radius around Jerusalem. But now the circle gets wider. Phoenicia, 150 miles away. Cyprus, 250 miles away. Antioch, 300 long miles in the ancient world from Jerusalem. And they were scattered by the persecution. But they didn't forget their purpose, as we heard in the passage. God had something for them to do wherever they found themselves, and that was to live their faith and to share their faith. The Apostle Paul shared about how God has a reason for me and for you why we live in the place we find ourselves today. He wrote, from one man, God has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. In other words, where you and I live is no accident. There's a reason you live in the Des Moines metro area, in the neighborhood you live in, in the school that you attend, in the workplace where you find yourself working. God has a unique divine assignment just as he had for those believers 2,000 years ago. And he has that assignment for you right there, right now. And my question is, do you believe that? Do you embrace that? And are you looking for opportunities that God will give you in the unique place he has for you today? If you're going to defy the odds, you have to believe that your situation is not an accident. It is your unique divine assignment. Okay? Second principle. 
is you need to ask God for eyes to see and a heart to care. So eyes to see these opportunities and a heart to care for the people around you. It says when they were fleeing the persecution and ended up in these places, they were speaking the word at first to no one except Jews, but then there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also. So they saw people far from God, and even though they weren't from their background, they began reaching out to them. They saw an opportunity that God had placed them for that purpose, and they had hearts that cared about the people. And my question for you today is, do you see the people as God sees them? The people that are around you, that you work with, the people that you live near, do you see opportunities there? Do you, have, do you pray and ask God for eyes to see them as he sees them and a heart to care for them? If you're gonna defy the odds and spiritually grow and make a spiritual impact, you're gonna to have to have those eyes to see and heart to care for the people around you. Um, a few years ago, I, I read a book called Praying for Strangers. And in this book, uh, there's the author, River Jordan. She shares about uh, being concerned about some life situations she was facing, but then God laid it on her heart to begin to pray for at least one stranger every single day of her uh, for the next year. And the rest of the book recounts the uh, adventures, the opportunities, and the amazing ways God's transformed her and other people in the process. So maybe that's an indication of an opportunity that God gives us when we really ask him for eyes to see the opportunities and for a heart to care for the people around us. Let's keep going. A third principle uh, to defy the odds of whatever you're facing, whatever you're up against, is to make sure you personally know, believe, and share the good news of Jesus. So here it says, they proclaim the good news about the Lord Jesus. The good news, we also could be translated the gospel. Um, do you know the gospel, the good news of Jesus? Do you believe, have you personally trusted in the good news of the Lord Jesus? And then are you sharing that good news with, in life and in word with the people around you? What is the gospel anyway? Well, I, I came across a few theologians who kind of summarized it in kind of short form, and I want to give you a couple of those. Uh, Martin Luther, from 500 years ago, wrote it this way. At its briefest, the gospel is a proclamation about Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God and had became man for us, that he died and was raised, and that he has been established as Lord over all things. More to today's world, theologian Michael Byrd of Australia writes, the gospel is about both the person and the work of Jesus Christ. God promised in the scripture that he would renew all creation and restore Israel. The gospel is the good news that God has made these promises good in Jesus, Messiah and Lord. Jesus died and rose for the purpose of atoning for sins. And through faith in him and his work, believers are reconciled to God. This new age of, of Jesus has been launched and God has revealed his saving righteousness in the gospel so that he justifies, declares not guilty, and delivers persons from both the penalty and the power of sin and death. Finally, Tim Keller explains the gospel with these words. The gospel is the good news that through Christ, the power of God's kingdom has entered history to renew the whole world. And when we believe and rely on Jesus' work and his record, rather than our own, for our relationship to, to God, that kingdom power comes upon us and begins to work through us. 
Through the person and work of Jesus Christ, God fully accomplishes salvation for us, rescuing us from judgment for sin into fellowship with him, and then restores the creation in which we can enjoy our new life together with him forever. The gospel is this, he says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And my question, those are summaries. My question for you today to defy the odds is, do you really believe that message? Have you crossed that line of faith, trusting personally in Jesus Christ? And then to defy the odds of everything you see around you, are you living it out? And then are you sharing that hope with other people? Because ultimately the hope of Jesus Christ and the good news are really the only lasting ultimate hope that anyone has. That's how to define the odds. So. That's the third way to defy the odds. Let's give you the fourth way of our top 10 list, and that is to build bridges of friendship to those outside the faith. If you want to see change and transformation, it says the Lord's hand was with them, everything that they were doing, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. So evidently, it defied all the odds that a, a small number of people who had been persecuted for believing in Jesus uh, ended up uh, reaching out to a very large number of people in a giant city in the ancient world, uh, and that Antioch, of all places, would turn to the Lord in large numbers. But they did. And why was that? It was because Jesus' followers then had the courage and the love to build bridges to people that were very, very different from themselves. Uh, one author says it this way about those early days in a strange city of Antioch. He said, the Gentile believers at Antioch, when, when they came to faith in Jesus, were so rowdy and noisy. Reverence was not a part of their experience. They were completely uninhibited. They, and they, as they ate, and no Jewish person could ever overlook this, they did so with dirty hands, no Jewish prayer, just eating and rejoicing in the Lord. Their clothes were not like Jewish clothing, nor did they seem as clean. The length of their hair by Jewish standards was an abomination. And to top it all off, none of them had ever been circumcised. All of these things were just incredibly different for the Jewish believers of, in Jesus that had arrived in Antioch, but they reached out to them and they saw large numbers come to faith in Jesus. And one particular person in Antioch who may very well have come to faith in Christ in that city at this very time was actually the author of the Gospel of Luke and the author of the book of Acts. Because historians long, long ago, early church historians, Eusebius and Jerome state that Luke, the physician, was actually a native of Antioch. He may have been one of those very Greeks who came to Christ during the spiritual awakening. So this physician named Luke ends up writing Bible. How cool is that? You never knew, know who you might influence or how you will influence them. Just start wherever you are now, somewhere with whomever God may put in your path and be willing and open to show the love of Jesus and to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. And you know, be flexible in your approach. You notice here that they say they, they, they believed in the Lord Jesus. They turned to the Lord. They start using language rather than Messiah, which was a Jewish term. They use the word Lord because from the Greek background, from the pagan background, they were used to pursuing various gods, hoping they would be their Lord and Savior. 
but Christianity brought the true Lord and the true Savior, and many, many of them in Antioch, of all unlikely places, turned to the Lord and believed. You know, we have an opportunity in, in just a few days uh, to build bridges uh, of, of kindness and friendship to our neighbors. We call it Lovey Des Moines Days. It's coming up ju- uh, June 12th through 20th. Nine days packed with lots of fun, exciting, and meaningful activities for our people uh, of our church to connect with people in our community. And I urge you and encourage you to be involved. I'm involved in a number of ways. One that I'm excited about, it's going to actually be on the first day of Lovey Des Moines Days on Saturday, June 12th, is a community book swap. It's going to be at the Valley Community Center for three hours from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. Please come, bring your books. And we need lots of donations of books in the meantime. So you can drop off any books you like of all kinds uh, here at the church building sometime between now and... um, and before the start of the Love You Des Moines Names, June 12th. And right now, we want to pause, and I want to just uh, sit down with uh, one of our leaders here, uh, our Associate Director of Community Bridges, Lisa Lewis, and she's going to share just a little bit of her heart about Love You Des Moines Days. So Lisa, I am so excited about Love You Des Moines Days. You're the captain in charge, you're the general leading the troops, and I just wanted you to explain a little bit of your heart. We've heard a lot of the details of this. But I, I'm going to ask you, what are three words that you would use to describe how you're feeling, your heart, uh, in these days leading up to Des Lovey Des Moines days? The first word that comes to mind is encouraged. I have been so incredibly encouraged by the number of church members and community partners and just people throughout the community who have stepped up to help plan Love You Des Moines days and make it the success that it's going to be. Absolutely. I am encouraged as well. It's been amazing. Okay, second word you'd use to describe your, you know, attitude right now. The second word is excited. I am incredibly excited to open our doors and welcome people from our community back into the community center after a long year and a half of pandemic life. People are ready to be part of community again and to participate in activities. So I'm super excited just to open our doors and welcome people. Absolutely. You know, and Lisa, as I look through these, you know, 150 plus activities, I mean, this, there's really nothing else like this that has happened in the Des Moines metro area. So I understand totally why you're excited after, you know, over a year of, of not doing something like this. This is a huge opportunity for Valley Church and to really love and bless our community. Okay. Uh, third word you would use to describe what you're feeling. Yeah. The third word is connected. I am thrilled to connect with people in the community and with church members and community partners who are excited just to be out around people and loving on their neighbors. And I just think it's a great opportunity to continue our mission to host activities and events at the community center that people can participate in and for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus by loving our neighbors. It's amazing. You know what? We are the hands and feet of Jesus. He's called us to be that body of Christ. And, you know, we say over and over again, we do good works to build goodwill, to have opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. And I'm excited, encouraged, and feeling that connectedness with our community. And thanks for leading the charge. And uh, we're really excited about what's going to come up in just a few days. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. Okay, let's keep moving through our top 10 list. Here's the fifth way I want to mention to you to uh, 
to defy the odds that you may be facing. And that is never lose your spiritual passion. It says here, news about what was happening in Antioch reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. The Apostle Paul says it a different way. He encourages the church at Rome to keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It's pretty obvious, but to defy the odds in this culture, in this time, and what you personally may be up against, uh, you have to keep your own spiritual fire burning bright. If you are spiritually apathetic or complacent, or you've allowed yourself to kind of drift away, um, you're not going to be spiritually healthy. You're not going to be uh, uh, resistant to temptation and obstacles in our culture. And you're not going to have much spiritual influence. Simply put, you will not defy the odds. You will not persevere well. You will not thrive in this chaotic culture. You will likely become a statistic or simply irrelevant. So my question for you is, if you want to defy the odds, are you remaining true to the Lord? Are you, uh, do you have a devoted heart to him? Because that is a really important key in defying the odds. Okay, number six in our top 10 list to defy the odds, we need to advance spiritually both deep and wide. It says here, uh, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. So we get two sides of this guy's character. On the one hand, Barnabas was a serious all-in, full-on Christian, deep in his spiritual walk. But he was also a bridge builder to people who were outsiders to the Christian faith. Notice it doesn't say here in this passage that he was amazingly gifted, or he was a rich guy, or he had tons of resources and degrees, or he had a billion Twitter followers. It doesn't say any of that. It just says he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and large numbers were brought to the Lord. Um, God uses folks who are full of the Holy Spirit and faith and who are willing to build bridges to outsiders. It's both and. It's not just deep spiritual growth, but it's also wide spiritual influence. And if you want to see yourself and our community defy the odds and see progress and spiritual awakening, then we need both. Deep, that is demonstrating strong spiritual growth in our lives, and wide, exerting spiritual influence of people who are far from God. So it's not one or the other, it's both growing people who are insiders to the church in their faith, and reaching outsiders who are outside of the faith. It's not one or the other, it's both and. Deep and wide, deep and wide. Some people say, well, which is more important? They're equally important. It's like asking uh, which wing of the airplane is more important. You kind of need both to thrive and to defy the odds. So let's keep that going uh, together. And if that describes you, keep going. If it doesn't, let's seek to bring both deep and wide into your uh, spiritual walk. Okay, number seven, uh, if we're going to defy the odds, we need to prioritize teamwork and meeting together, okay? It says, then Paul, uh, Barnabas went to Tarsus to search for Saul, that's the apostle Paul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for a whole year, they met with the church. So everybody, I believe, needs a buddy, needs friends, needs a, a teammate to just keep going spiritually. We need to be a, belong to a Bible studies and life groups, and, and also volunteering together. That's why in Love You Des Moines Days, it's great not just to do it by yourself, but with a team of people. So join a team, find somebody, just like Barnabas found 
around Saul, work together, make it happen, and there's mutual encouragement and gifts overlap, and you can make an impact that way. And notice all also it says, and for a whole year they met with the church. That is, the church got together in person and they were able to teach them from the word of God together. Um, And I just wanna encourage you, you know, we're so grateful for the technology that allows us to reach into all sorts of places. And during this pandemic, it's been amazing. Uh, But I also wanna encourage you that, you know, technology is fantastic and great, but when you're ready, we're ready for you. And we would love to have you rejoin us in person as God allows and as you feel comfortable. You know, the apostle John once wrote um, in 2 John at the end of that letter, he said, though I have many things to write to you, I don't wanna use paper and ink. In other words, he used the technology of his day. Uh, paper and ink and a, a, a courier system that got the message to them. And that was fantastic. And he says, that was, that was great. I'm glad for that. But I got a lot of other things. And he says, instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. And there's just something about gathering with other people in your life group, gathering with other people in worship. So I just want to encourage you, uh, when you're ready and you feel comfortable, please join us in person uh, and and make opportunities to get with your life group, whatever it will help you to keep growing and prioritizing that teamwork and and that face-to-face of meeting together as the early church did. Number eight. Uh, on our top 10 list is realize the importance of Bible learning. It says they taught large numbers. Can you imagine Paul and Barnabas teaching your, uh, you know, your life group or, or uh, leading uh, in, your ma- in, in these messages? It was amazing. And the new believers at Antioch had zero background in the things of the faith. Uh, they weren't like the Jewish folks who were steeped in the Old Testament. They really didn't know all that much. So they had to spend a lot of time going deep in Bible learning. Uh, and that's what they did. And they got it. They embraced that. And at Valley Church, we want to, I want to say this to you. Uh, we are unapologetically a Bible teaching church. Uh, our bread and butter, you know, is to teach through books of the Bible. Sometimes we have kind of systematic theology and, and, and topical series as well. But our bread and butter is to just teach through books of the Bible, uh, one passage at a time. And we love the Bible. We teach the Bible and we seek to live out the Bible. We love the word of God. And we are all called to be Bible learning disciples. And so I encourage you, keep doing what you're doing leaning into the message of the word of God like this, Uh, joining an opportunity like Alpha to ask questions about the Christian faith, to join a life group or a Bible study, to to have personal time with the word of God and to explore new opportunities as we open up more and more opportunities for you to dive deep into the word of God. Guys, I have a bachelor's degree in history and religious studies. I have a master's degree in Bible and theology. I have years of studying Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff. I've been studying and teaching the Bible for 35 years as a pastor. And I want to tell you something. I learn something new every single day. There is so much wisdom. There is so much, so many riches and treasures in the word of God. We will never explore the depths of it. So I want to encourage you to go deep in the word of God. If you're going to defy the odds, you got to keep going deep into the word and really learning it, letting it saturate your soul. All right. You know, I, I, Ruth and I had a great opportunity with our grandson, Nico. Did I mention we have a grandson? Here he is. And he's about two and a half now. And we actually got to 
to take care of him for a few days while his mom and dad uh, were gone. And he, we had to do, we got to do all sorts of fun things like, you know, watch baseball games together and, and, uh, and just explore different things. But I was very uh, delighted when just uh, kind of very uh, spontaneously uh, in, in our living room, he breaks out a song, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, and on and on he goes. And you know what? That's the way you're going to grow. That's the way he's going to grow, and that's the way you're going to grow and defy the odds in this culture and in these days. The scriptures, diving deep into them and re realizing the importance of it in your everyday life. Okay, number nine. Don't be ashamed to be totally Christ-centered. It says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. It was a derogatory nickname. You're all about Christ, 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 Christ. You're just Jesus freaks. And, and at first it was an insult, but then the Christians just said, okay, you're right, we are. We are all about Jesus Christ. And they didn't apologize for that. And I want to encourage you. If you are going to defy the odds in your own spiritual walk and in your spiritual influence, you can't be ashamed of believing in Jesus. It's okay. I don't say you have to be obnoxious about it or, you know, pushy about it, but never be ashamed. Never be ashamed to be known as a follower of Jesus. And number 10, boldly seize opportunities to bless others. It says, in those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. And each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief. And the word there to send relief is actually to send ministry. The word relief is translated in, in a, a lot of different ways, in different translations, and also in different passages. But it really just means help, relief, ministering to people, you know, whatever uh, can really bless them and help them in their time of need. So that's what they did in this situation to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this sending this help, this relief, this service, this ministry this blessing to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. Guys, um, that's what believers in Christ do. And I want to commend you for your generosity that's allowed us throughout the last year and more to do amazing things. And I've covered a lot of that last weekend, so I'm not going to repeat that. All the different ways that we, we bless the people in need in our community and beyond. But I want to tell you a cool story um, Guys, uh, a number of years ago, we had a, a thing called Project 1221, and there was a tremendous opportunity at year end to contribute that would help a, a church plant, thriving church plant in Brussels, Belgium, to purchase their own facility to build their own kind of mini community center and to have a place where they could worship together. This place is thriving, it's growing, reaching people. But I want to tell you guys, it was really, really hard to acquire that property. Tons of prayer, tons of discussions, a lot of closed doors. But finally, they were able to acquire a property this week. I want to show you just a few pictures. Here's from the exterior of it on a busy street in Brussels. Uh, it was prime, prime location. There lots of traffic goes through on a, on a regular basis. It, it, and they were able to complete the, um, the purchase of that. And then here's some of the plans for transforming it into a kind of a mini community center that you can see there. And also a place where their uh, church uh, 
followers of Jesus could meet together on a weekly basis. We are so excited for them. It took a lot of perseverance and it was defying the odds because there's not a lot of churches that are thriving in Western Europe, but it's happening. And it's because of your generosity that we were able to send that help, send that ministry, send that gift, send that their way. And I just want to thank you and celebrate with you that through your generosity, that has actually come true. I want to review for you the last uh, just top 10, and I want you to pick out for you what you believe would be your top 10 list to defy the odds. Number one, this is a review. Which one sticks with you? Believe that your situation is a unique divine appointment. Two, ask God for eyes to see and a heart to care. Three, to make sure you personally know, believe, and are sharing the good news of Jesus. Four, build bridges of friendship to those outside the faith. Five, never lose your spiritual passion. Six, advance spiritually both deep and wide. Prioritize teamwork and meeting together. Eight, realize the importance of Bible learning. Nine, never be ashamed to be totally Christ-centered. And 10, boldly seize opportunities to bless others. I want to pray with you right now. Um, just a prayer that from my heart for everybody watching today. Father in heaven, I pray that whatever the odds that whoever is watching, listening, joining us today, um, that you would strike in their hearts from this, your word of God, something in this passage that would spur them on. Maybe they're discouraged today. Maybe they're, they're, they're feeling a strong pull of temptation. Maybe they're struggling to see things turn around at their workplace or in our community or in our nation. I pray, oh God, that this passage would help them to see we can move forward and we get great examples from your word to see how to defy the odds that we face. Help each person who hears this message to be emboldened and encouraged to go out there and defy the odds. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus, amen.